cannot go it alone in life. Many of us have tried. Some of us are trying right now. But we can't be tough enough. We can't be strong enough. We can't just suck it up and go it alone. Right? Well, this is an interesting time of year because uh, there's something special going on in the air. You can almost smell it. And what I'm talking about is the emotional atmosphere is changing. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's the time of year when guys start to open up emotionally. They figure they can't go it along. How is this? It's football season. And guys are starting to share their feelings. I mean, what do they do? Guys dance around, they high-five, they hug each other, and sometimes they even cry during football games. And I'm not excluding you uh, lady football fans out there. There are plenty of you. I'm just saying, generally speaking, men's sensitivity goes to a much higher level this time of year. You want to test this out? Uh, Just go up to a a guy and tell him that his team stinks or that there's no way that they're going to be successful this year, right? You'll know exactly how he feels if you say that. Or maybe you get to console your guy after a big loss, right? Emotions are there. So um, you probably have your fantasy roster in, in place, right? We've been doing our fantasy drafts. I heard people talking about it this morning. It's on the radio um, how'd your college team do this weekend? Ohio State Buckeyes haven't played yet, but yeah, we've got, you know, some of the Texas fans are like, don't, let's not talk about this. A&M fans are like, hey, maybe this, this could be, this could be it. Cowboy fans. Yep. Is this the year? You'll be wearing your jerseys next week. And Houston fans finally get it together this year. I mean, it's on whether we like it or not. It's football season. Well, um, I had my draft for fantasy football too, and I've been pouring over my roster and looking at injury reports and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's fun because you're, I mean, you're talking trash with, you, with each other. So kind of community forms as superficial as it may be. You're, you're, you're having fun. You're talking about how superior your roster is, but it got me thinking, it got me thinking about this whole roster idea. And I went back to, to thinking about, I, mean, I played a, a ton of sports um, growing up and, and through high school, and I played golf and baseball uh, in, in high school, and I, I loved sports. I loved baseball. And when I was on that varsity roster, it felt really good. But it wasn't always like that. I mean, I can think back to elementary school and all the awkwardness of when teams were being picked. Usually it was kickball or dodgeball. And it's like, just don't let me get picked last, right? Nobody wants to be picked last. And then I went into middle school and um, I ended up in basketball and football on the B teams. And um, I, I mean, I didn't like that. I didn't like being on the B team. And baseball, though, was my sport. I love baseball. I excelled at baseball. Um, I could deal with the other B teams because baseball was my deal I was starting, I was playing, all that kind of stuff. And then freshman year of high school came. And so freshman year of high school, um, I'm trying out for the baseball team. And I'm like, this is, a, I mean, this is a lock and this is my thing. And so they're going through the various cuts, the different rounds of cuts. We get to the very last one and I'm the last guy cut from the team. 
And I couldn't believe it. I mean, this was my thing. And yet, I was cut. I wasn't going to be part of the team. And I was venting with one of my friends, telling him how wrong it was, how I'd been robbed, how the coach didn't know what he was doing, blah, 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 whatever I was saying. And he said something like this. He said, hey, well, maybe next year. But this is what really hurt. He said, maybe you're just a B-teamer, Lance. Ouch. And I wanted to play. I mean, I wanted to play bad because I love the sport. But the thing I really wanted was to be a part of the team. I wanted to belong. I wanted to be in that inner circle of, you know, uh, you know team where we were going to go after something together. Can you relate to that? Have you ever been there? I think most of us have. I mean, have you felt like that? Were you ever the last one picked? Were you the last one cut from a team? Were you a B-teamer or a C-teamer? And it doesn't have to be in sports. There's all kinds of groups or activities that we've been a part of. For you, maybe it was music. It was the band. It was the theater. It was something around academics where you excelled, but you got left off the list. You got excluded from the club. You got cut. And somebody made a judgment, basically saying, you don't belong. Maybe it was the date or the job or the group of friends that you wanted, but you didn't get asked. You didn't get invited. Instead, you were rejected or ignored all together. You see, this gets at something very deep and important for us because we all want to belong We want to have significant relationships. So the question this morning for us is, what is your relational roster like? I mean, who are the people in your life? Because we need to have significant relationships. We need to belong. We need community. And whether it's sports or something else, we need to have friends that are going to be there with us, that are going to walk with us. And so today is a great morning as we hit the reset button throughout this month. We're really resetting on community. We're resetting on relationships. And I think it's a great time for us to evaluate our roster. Who are our friends? What kind of people do we have in our life? Now, this is important because we all understand relationships, that there are different levels of relationships. So we can go to psychology, and we can look at how this works. Here's an image. It's actually just a, a big circle. And the outer part of the circle is the people that are, uh, you know, we just, we know them, but we don't know them. We know who they are, but we don't know anything about them. Now, I like this one because it's not highly academic. It's the outside edge are called accidents. Now, you can define that on your own. Um, Some people are, it's just like, well, it was an accidental meeting with this person. I don't know them at all. Or you could say, what an accident that I met this person, right? But as you move in, we have acquaintances, and we understand that. We get that. We know what that is. These are people that We see them, but we don't know them, right? Even in this room, we can look around and say, oh, that person would be an acquaintance. I've seen them before. If you're here for the first time, you're like, I've never seen any of these people. 
but I've seen them before, but I don't know anything about them. And then as you go in toward the center, the relationships grow and they deepen and they get more significant until the point where you are allies. There's trust and safety. I mean, that's when we begin to share some of the stuff that's happening in our lives, right? The struggles and challenges we face, the things that we are, uh, you know, that, that hurt us, the things that we don't understand, right? Well, we all have superficial relationships. Hopefully, most of us have relationships going toward the center, but we all need those inner circle relationships in our lives. Whether it's one other person or a couple or a few people, a few people that get us and know us and are there to stand with us where we can share anything and we know that they're not going to disappear or walk away. Well, the question is, how do you get there? How do you move from out here in your relationships to get in there, because here's the reality. I know, and I, and I know, you know, some of you are thinking, yeah, Dave, I would love to have that, but I'm afraid. Because to start moving in, what does that take? It takes risk, doesn't it? You have to begin to open yourself up. And it's easier often to say, well, I'm just going to have these friends out here. I'm going to keep them at a distance because I don't really want them to know me. And if, if they did know me, they might reject me. And we've had those experiences. Some of us are sitting here this morning saying, I don't know if I can trust somebody. I don't like being alone, but I don't know if I can move toward that because I've been rejected. I've been burned. I've been hurt by other people time and time again. I don't know if I can do that. But God has designed us to experience the center. And so as we talk about it this morning, we have to be willing to take a step. Even if we're hurting, if we're having a hard time believing that we can get there, we have to be willing to take a step. And so I want to ask one more time, what are your relationships like this morning? What's that roster like? And maybe it's the perfect time For you to hit the reset button and to take a risk, to take a step toward better and deeper relationships. Well, throughout the Bible, God talks about this this importance of having relationships. Um, In fact, it's the very essence of our humanity. We were made for relationship with God and for relationship with other people. I mean, all of the scriptures pretty much lay that out. All of the history of God's people is about that central idea that we were made for relationship with God and then to be in relationship with other people. Now, there's something important that we need to know about God, that God is a relational, personal God. He's not an abstract God. He's not a God who has no idea of what's happening in our lives or in our world. He is a God that wants us to be in relationship with with him. Now, this is what God is like, and we don't understand it. I mean, it's mind-blowing to us. God is triune. That means that God is 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So can you easily define that? No, I can't. But what it means is that God, at, at his core, the core of God's being, he is relational. He is personal. And the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have this perfect relationship that's existed throughout eternity of love, support, encouragement, trust, bond, safety. It's all there in God, in the being of God. And so at the very start, as God talks about the significance of relationships for us with him and with other people, that's the starting point is to understand that God is put together that way. And he's designed us that way. And he wants us to experience that kind of community. Now, here's the cool thing about God. God loves B-teamers like you and me. Whatever your experience, God loves B-teamers and C-teamers and D-teamers and people that don't feel like they fit anywhere. God loves us and wants us to be in relationship. He wants us to be on his roster. Just take that in for a moment. God wants us on his roster. No matter what we've been through, no matter what we've experienced, no matter whether we feel alone, whether we feel like we can't trust, he wants us to be a part of his community. That's the invitation that he makes to us today. All right. So inner circle relationships, first with God and with others, are critical to us experiencing a healthy and fulfilling life. And God desires for us to take steps in that direction. He doesn't want us to live in isolation or uh, to be disconnected. Now, the scriptures talk about this a lot. And some of the places that we can go, we can go to the wisdom literature. And Solomon wrote a lot of wisdom in the Old Testament. He wrote Proverbs. He wrote Ecclesiastes. And in these places, he talks about the significance for us to have healthy relationships where people know us, where there's trust, where there's safety. And here's uh, one of the things that Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes. He's talking about how there's so many meaningless things in our life. There's so many things that we can pursue that when we get there, we realize there is no significance to this. But then he talks about relationships, how important they are. And as we pursue them, as we go deeper in them, There's life, and there's meaning, and most importantly, there's God. And here's what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. A miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll be warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one... uh, Uh, Though uh, one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. 
A cord of three strands is not easily broken. That's a powerful image. So let's talk about it. God doesn't want us to be alone. Now he understands that some of us feel that way, but he doesn't want us to stay there. And it's not like it starts out that way for us in life, right? I mean, as a kid, most kids don't want to be alone. What are kids good at? Most kids are pretty good at making new friends, right? I mean, I can think about my son, Colin. He would go down the street when he was like four years old. We knew where he was going, but he would knock on door after door. Can so-and-so play, right? But as life goes on, as life happens, right, we find out that relationships can be hard and people can reject us. And tough stuff happens, whether it's through divorce, you've had to move, or you've just experienced lots of loss. We end up in a place where we feel alone. And it's easy for us to start shutting people out and saying, I'm not, I'm not going to risk this anymore. Or maybe, as in this proverb, as Solomon talks about it, it it's been our career. I mean, here's this guy, he's working. He, he doesn't have really anybody in his life. He doesn't have a son or a brother. Apparently, he doesn't have a wife. And he just works. And he builds his business. And he has all this success. And no one to share it with. And you may have experienced that in your life where you've worked and you've worked and you've worked and you've realized there's more to life than this. I wish I had some people to share life with. Um, I want to talk about this, this image of the three strands that form this incredible bond, this rope, this cord that cannot be broken. Now, uh, in the ancient Near East, and this was a familiar kind of idea because they used ropes for a lot of things. We have all kinds of inventions now that we can use, um, you know, cables and all kinds of bungee cord. We have all kinds of, well, that's basically a rope, I guess, bungee cord. But we have all kinds of alternatives. But people needed rope in the ancient Near East. And there was a process to how this strong rope was put together. You would take three different strands. It could be, they used all kinds of different fibers when they did this, but they would take them and they would wet them first. So they would get, you know, wet, moist, so they were pliable. And then you would start to bind them together, twist them together under tension. Typically, it took a couple people to do this. And you would, you know, I don't know how long the, the rope needed to be, but you would apply tension and get it as tight as you could, and then it would go out into the heat and dry for a time until it was strong. Now, that's a powerful image, and it's an image that Solomon gives us so we can think about our relationships. Now, a lot of times I talk about this image in marriage. There's you know, been a few wedding ceremonies where I've used this image, and that image is a man and a woman come together, and they need to be bound to God. So the three strands. And it's a, a powerful binding. Does it happen overnight? No. It takes time. It takes life. It takes 
pressure, the pressure of going through tough things and experience. And as we do that, as we're connected to God and connected to another person, the rope gets stronger and stronger and it cannot be broken. Well, think of that image for your relationships too, because we need friends like that. Maybe it's just a couple, maybe it's a few, but some friends that know us, that we're you know, in relationship with. And God is involved there too, and we're getting bound through this cord where nobody can take that away from us. We need people who are going to stand for us. We need people who are going to know us. People who are going to be for us no matter what we experience in life. Who are going to be right there. Because this is our inner circle, right? We've got to have this inner circle where people know us and want to stand with us and value us. So how do we do that? How do we get relationships like that? Because they don't just happen overnight, do they? Well, um, I mean, I, I think this is a pretty common experience. I know lots of people in San Antonio, and many of the people that I know don't have significant friends or significant relationships. They know lots of people. They have lots of acquaintances, maybe a few friends, but they don't have deep relationships. And uh, just, just recently, I was um, at the gym, and I was working out, and I was getting close to being done, and, and one of the gals uh, that works there came, came up to me. And uh, you could, I mean, her, her eyes were starting to well up with tears. And she said, Dave, you're a pastor, right? I said, yeah. And, uh, and she said, can I talk to you for a minute? I need you to pray for me. And so we, we sat down and she shared what was happening, on her, happening in her life. Her young daughter was diagnosed with cancer. And she uh, you know, had had the first surgery for it and they couldn't get it all. And she was just wrecked. Um, you know, she said, I, I don't have any faith relationships. I don't have anybody that I feel close enough to share these things with. Will you please pray with me? And so I did. And, of course, I'm following up to see as, you know, she is going on for further evaluation and they're trying to figure things out and setting up a next surgery. But the question is, you know, why? Why doesn't she have those significant relationships, those people that she can go to? And I don't know the answer to that question. I just know that we all need those kind of friends who can lift us up when we get to these dark times, these hard times, these people that are bound to us, that will support us and help us. Well, um, the question of how, the only way it's going to happen is if you and I are willing to invest some time and energy, and that means we're going to have to risk a little bit, but that will put some time and energy into pursuing some friendships, right? Because it it starts, could you put the diagram up there again? I don't know if you got that handy. Because it starts on the outside, right? It takes time to work 
inside. Now, we can find some, uh, some people of faith. I mean, that certainly helps. We need people with strong faith in our lives. But we got to agree that we're going to take some steps. So maybe that means your first step is just to be at church on a regular basis and to, to hang around a little bit, to open yourself up to getting to know some people here. I mean, we need a community, right? I love this. Uh, uh, they, they kind of pass around all these, uh, you've probably seen them, errors in church bulletins. There's, uh, there's this one that goes like this. It says, don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> so let us help. So we're here for, we're here to build a faith community that makes a difference, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week where we are you know, growing in friendships that help us and matter. But we have to be willing to take a step. We've got to step toward that. Um, let me just share some of my own experience. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor. I've been in the church for many years now. Um, but it's these smaller circles of friends that have been so huge for us along the way. So early on, we had, uh, Colin was already, you know, two and a half years old or so, and our son Kyle was born. And we, we didn't know there was going to be any issues. So when he was born, within, uh, within a few minutes, he was taken out of the delivery area, and they started doing all this work on him and checks, and he had a heart condition. And we knew nothing about this. And so, you know, we started, you know, I don't, I don't think we texted at that point, but we started getting the word out that here's what's happened with our new son, with Kyle. And so we found out within a few hours that he was going to need open heart surgery. And so it started this, this process over the next month or so where we had to go to a different city where he had a surgery. And he had the surgery. And it was, you know, we were, I mean, we were just... We, were, we didn't know what to do other than to trust God and allow our friends to come around us and support us and pray for us. And they did in significant ways. And so, you know, Colin was at a distance. He had to be with friends and with grandma and grandpa, and that was unsettling. And we were staying in a strange apartment while Kyle was still in the hospital after his surgery. And it seemed like even though everything was jumbled up in our lives, we had this community of people around us that was loving us, that was praying for us, that was supporting us, that was, you know, giving us, uh, you know, meals and just basic things that we needed. And we all need to belong and to feel a sense of that in our relationships. And this year, I mean, it's not like, um, I mean, we have, you know, uh, mountaintops or high things and valleys throughout our life. Um, it's not like you go through something tough and then that's it, right? We all have tough stuff that we face in our lives. And this year for our family has been particularly tough because, you know, the beginning of the year, our oldest son, he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which is, I mean, that's a life-changing condition. And so we're just starting to figure that out in February. And we were set to leave for China the end of February. And we did. We took the trip to China to pick up our new daughter, Emery. And so, you know, we're trying to figure out, uh, you know, 
his, his eating and pattern, all that kind of stuff. We're in China. We're meeting our new daughter. It's very exciting and, uh, and challenging, hugely challenging at the same point because she doesn't speak any English. And so we bring her home, and we've got all these adjustments going on. And things, as we get home, are just starting to normalize a little bit. And then uh, my, my other son, Kyle, busts his ankle. And we're like, come on. And as time goes on, it's just, it's been a tough year. But we've had incredible people surrounding us through these tough times. People that have prayed for us. People that have brought us meals. People have asked, how are you doing? People have asked, what do you need? Friends that love us and pick us up on days where we can barely pick up ourselves. This is the kind of community that God wants for all of us. But it happens as you and I take steps toward it. Um, here's, a, I think, a powerful verse. And I want to talk about this just for a moment. In Galatians, we read this in chapter 6. Paul says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Simply means carry each other's burdens and you will experience the presence of God, the love of God through other people. Now, we need that. Paul also wrote in Corinthians, as he was talking about his own life and struggles, he said, God's grace or the grace of Jesus is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul experienced that, the Apostle Paul. You and I experience weakness. Now here's the beautiful thing. As we, tar- as we start to take steps toward more significant relationships, the beautiful thing is what God has done for us to make this possible. Remember, God loves B-teamers. He loves us. And he calls us into relationship. And he does that through Christ. I mean, that's why Jesus came into the world. Because our world is broken. Relationships are broken and messed up. Most of us experience that at some level, whether it's in our families, in a previous marriage, in relationships, we at work. I mean, wherever we experience broken ways in this world. And Jesus came in the midst of all that, to say, God wants you on his roster. And I've come to give you the message and to show you through my life how, how much God wants you to be a part of the family. And Jesus was willing to lay down his life for all the brokenness in this world and to lay his life down for our own sin and brokenness so that we could begin to experience healing, relationship with God and relationship with others. That's God's design for us. And he wants you to experience that. So how can you begin to take those steps? How can you begin to form some inner circle kind of community well, it just starts with you being willing. And maybe, you know, as, as you sit here this morning, you're a little, you're a little nervous about it, you're, you're scared, you have some fear. 
Maybe it's just being willing to say, I'm going to stay after service today. And I'm going to get a cup of coffee. I'm going to hang out for a few minutes. I want to start meeting some people in this faith community. Um, maybe it's you've been around a little bit and you're, you're wanting now to go you know, to the next stage of relationships. You know, maybe that means you want to start coming early. We've got set-up teams. We've got lots of people that work together to, to make this service happen. We would love for you to join us. And even though uh, we banter back and forth and we heckle each other, um, it is a fun community where friendships are forming. And you could ask a few people around here, they've actually found that bond with other people just through serving and helping out on Sunday mornings. And maybe you may be saying, well, I, I have some relationships like that. You know, I have some people that I'm really close to. Well, maybe the step that you need to take is to stay after service, to look around and find somebody that you can invite into your community of relationships, who you can invite to belong in your life. Somebody maybe that five years from now is going to be a part of that inner circle, somebody that you count on and rely on, who's there for you in the tough times, in the times of struggle and challenge. Because we all need friends like that. So I encourage you today, hit the reset button. It's a good time to evaluate. What does this roster look like? And God, could today be the day where I take a new step into some relationships that are going to be so significant in the years ahead? And I want to end with this picture. It's a picture from the scripture. Because in Acts chapter 2, the Acts is the history of the church. So Jesus, um, you know, he lived, uh, he was uh, crucified, resurrected. He gathered up his disciples. And there were, you know, about 100 people. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and I want you to begin sharing my love and relationship with anybody who will listen and who's open to it. And so... Uh, Peter in Acts chapter 2, he gets up and he gives this incredible, you know, teaching, this talk. And thousands of people say, I want that. I want to be a part of that community. I want to be a part of this Jesus community. And then as you see the end of that chapter, these communities start to come together. Where they share life together. Where they open up and they start talking about their struggles and here's what I'm dealing with. And they eat together. They break bread together. They share stuff with each other. They care for one another. And there's this deep love and belonging and bond where God's at the center and people are trying to open up their hearts and lives to others so that they can be the love of Jesus to somebody else. It's a beautiful picture. And we have experienced it here at Rock Hills. We will experience more of it. But we can decide together to say, yeah, that's what we're going for. We want this to be that kind of radiant community that when people come, they say, maybe here, maybe this is the place where I can find belonging.